Would you stand one more time as we hear God's Word read? Our sermon passage today is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1-11. through 11. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house, and I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any, any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem, and also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desire, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Ecclesiastes is, has been said, the truest of all books. You know, it's interesting, I was mentioning to Michael, is that your pastors ought to be the truest of all people. Your pastors ought to be the most honest people on planet earth, right? Preachers ought not to be pretenders. Ecclesiastes, the preacher anticipates there's going to be a lot of rebuttal a lot of pushback to this idea that all is vanity, that all is a striving after the wind under the sun. Life under the sun. Listen to this. Foraging for pleasures we were bell as teenagers or in our midlife crisis. On our walls we put up posters or we take them down. We take our jobs and we leave them. We drink our booze or we give them up. We take our meds or we quit them. We undress with strangers or we refuse to do so. We marry our spouses or we leave them. We have kids or estrange them. We dye our hair or we leave it natural. We change our clothes or we garage sell everything. We save our money or we spend it. All of us hoping that in some gas station in life, a figurative or a literal lottery ticket with a winning number waits for us to find it. What do you want? What are we after in this life? What balloon are we chasing? What are the sandcastles that we're building? We all have them, even the preacher. See, the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher is no longer interested in pretending Satan says, you can be like God. And the preacher asks, but how? 
I read the Bible with glasses. I kneel to pray with coffee breath. I stand to preach Jesus with a blister on my toe. I serve the Lord's Supper with $1.99 bread from Publix. Satan's response, just pretend the human race loves it that way. Right? Doesn't that describe us all at some point in our life? But the preacher in Ecclesiastes, he's finished pretending. His balloons are no longer filled by the applaud of the crowd. He's a comedian that no longer needs anybody's laughter. He isn't looking in Christianity today to seeing where he ranks in the top ten of pastors. He doesn't care anymore. He's no longer content with his Twitter following. It doesn't concern him anymore how his colleagues rank his sermons. The preacher doesn't care. See, the book of Ecclesiastes is a book that calls it like it is. No sugar-coated. As I see it, no. More than that, as he has experienced it, he's going to tell it to you like it is. You see, the preacher is the expert here. And he's not the expert because his clean, clothes are clean. He's not the expert because he's avoided, as one author says, all the potholes life. No, he's not uncovered all the broken cisterns. He's not avoided all the back alleys or the brothels. He's drank from all of them. He's pursued them all and he's conquered them all. And he says, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. It doesn't matter who you are here today. If you're a kid, if you're an adult, Solomon wants to save us all a lot of trouble. He wants to save us all a lot of trouble. The preacher has come to the end of life's internet, as Randy Pope says. He's assessed it all, and he says, man, it's smoke and mirrors. Trust me, it's smoke and mirrors. It's counterfeit glories, things promising but never delivering. Things saying we're going to complete you and you're still left empty. That's who the preacher is. But you know, many of you will ask, what does the preacher know, right? What does the preacher know about fun, pleasure? Solomon anticipates all your rebuttal. He anticipates all of your pushback. Look, if we're all honest, if you've lived under the sun very long, and you're willing to be truthful with yourself and those around you. There's a lot of cotton candy in the world, right? There's a lot of cotton candy in the world. Listen to this from Brad Pitt. Don't really expect to hear things like this from those who have made it to the top. He said, in today's culture, the emphasis is on success and personal gain, and I'm sitting in it. He said, I'm telling you, that's not it. He said, I'm the man who has everything, and I'm telling you, that's not it. Once you have everything, then you're just left with yourself. It doesn't help you sleep any better at night. 
You don't wake up any better because of it. Now, no one's going to want to hear that, but I'm telling you, that's the truth. Isn't that interesting? It sounds a lot like Ecclesiastes. It sounds a lot like the preacher. Some of you are going to say, you're killing my dreams, preacher. You're keeping me down. You're raining on my parade, Solomon. You've seen the movie Matrix, right? Ignorance is bliss. That sort of, that sort of defines America. It sort of defines our culture, right? Don't tell me that. I want to chase my balloons for 90 years. I want, to, I want to believe that there's something under the sun that can bring joy and delight. And by the way, that was 15 years ago, right? From Brad Pitt. That's at the pinnacle of his career. You see, the preacher's after our joy. He's not after our joy in order to crush it. He's after our joy so that we will really find what true life is all about. He wants to awaken us. He wants to stir us to this mindless treadmill that we all have the tendency to get on. And the preacher is saying, let me help you get off of life's treadmill. I was telling the guys this week in my Bible study, I don't know why, but I always feel like I'm underachieving. And even from a young age, I mean, I can go back and look at things that I've had success in, but I, I always have this feeling, I always have this stirring that I'm never living up to what I should be. I don't know, maybe you don't struggle with that. But I think I'm coming to realize that it's an it's a echo back to the fall. It's, it's an echo back to Eden, right? That it's never enough. I, I'm never going to live up to my expectations. I always feel like I'm underachieving my job or my sermons or raising my kids or loving my wife. Even my little league team. I feel like I'm underachieving. You feel that way sometimes? Maybe it's just me. Solomon anticipates our objections. And he knows there will be many, many rebuttals to this verdict. Vanity of vanity. All is vanity. But preacher, there's so many wells to drink from on planet Earth, right? How could you have tried them all? Preacher, how could you have tried all the fun and bliss that is found under the sun? And Solomon says, well, let me just tell you. Verse 2 through 8. Verse 2, it says, jokes and humor. Vanity of vanities. I don't know if you guys remember, sad, but just Robin Williams, right? One of the great comedians of our time. Solomon says, humor, vanity of vanities. Verse 3, he talks about alcohol. And he says, whether you're the connoisseur or the alcoholic, life is not found in the wine glass. And he goes on, he talks about art, and he talks about nature, and he talks about money and possessions and music. He talks about sex. Some would say Solomon had a thousand women. 
A thousand concubines, right? We don't like to talk about that in the church. Affirmation. Solomon said he surpassed everyone before him. Work. Solomon builds a temple for God where God's presence <laughs> dwells. You see, Solomon's wanting us to understand. The preacher's wanting us to understand. There's only nine games offered in town to every generation. They're fun if we're honest. But they're old, as Zach Eswine says, tattered, badly worn with use, and they're the only games in town. Same video games, different graphics, right? Better graphics. Different bindings, same old books, same old song, different beat. Think about this. Let's just say by chance that you reach the top, that you happen to glean some sort of fulfillment, sense of accomplishment from these games that the preacher talks about. Maybe you invent something like the light bulb, right? Maybe you even invent a cure for cancer. Maybe you go to the moon. Guess what? At the end, death just stomps on it all. Right? Even if you invent a cure that saves our kids from cancer, what an what a, what amazing, awesome thing. In the end, whether he's 99 or whether he's five, the little boy dies. We all die in the end. What's the preacher doing? Is he trying to cause us despair? Is he trying to move us into depression? Do y'all want us to become cynical and hopeless and no, He's trying to awaken you. He's trying to quicken your heart and your soul. He's trying to alert you to this mirage, this desert that we live in, and these powder kegs that we try to drink from to find life. The preacher is actually the truest of all friends. You ever had a friend like this? You ever had a friend that would just tell it to you like you needed to hear it? You can probably count on three fingers my friends that are like that. They won't sugarcoat it. They just come and say, Ryan, you're wrong. That's the preacher. But he's the truest of friends because he's not... He's not just trying to hold you down. He's not just trying to push you down. He's not, he's not just trying to hold your head underwater. But he doesn't want you to be duped any longer. He doesn't want you to be fooled into buying hollow stock. He doesn't want you to be tricked into thinking that the wine glasses of the world can bring you joy and delight. 
See, we need more friends like the preacher. We need more friends who will tell it to you like it is. And the unique thing about the preacher, in verse 9, it says that he kept his wisdom. It said his wisdom remained as he took this path under the sun. In other words, he kept his wits about him. Listen to this. It says in verse 3, my heart still guiding me with wisdom. Like this is a methodical, meticulous search by the wisest man on earth. This is not the prodigal son, okay? There's, there's a difference between the preacher and his path and the path of the prodigal son. You guys remember the prodigal son? He goes to his father. He's like, give me all the gusto I can have. I want to have all the riches I can have, all the women I can have. I'm going to live it up. Sort of this out-of-control, mindless loss of sense. Like a child in his temper tantrum. But the preacher says, that's not who I am. He said, I'm telling you, I've kept my heart and I've kept my wits and I'm like this scientist. He said, I've taken every path, I've drank from every pothole and I'm telling you, it's meaningless. The preacher is not a hedonistic consumer. He's testing. He's drawing hypotheses. He's drawing conclusions. And he's saying, let me save you a lot of trouble, Christian. Let me save you a lot of trouble, teenager. I've had a thousand women. And I promise you, Playboy won't complete you. You ever hear a preacher talk like that? Solomon. See, Solomon, he wants us to help us find life and peace and rest under the sun. He's like, look, man, I've, I've been on that treadmill a long time. And I'm telling you, that's not it. We're going to push back and we're going to say, well, how successful were you, preacher? Listen to what he says. So I became the great and surpassed all who were before me in all of Jerusalem. I didn't just succeed. I was mega successful. And I'm telling you, as Marie Antoinette would say, nothing taste. Nothing taste. We're going to come back and say, are you sure? Are you sure, preacher? Are you sure there's nothing under the sun? Solomon says this in verse 11. He said, I'm telling you, I've considered it all. I've considered all that my hands have done and the toil that I have expended in doing it. And behold, all is vanity a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. That's interesting, isn't it? He said, I didn't lose my wits. I've drank from every pool. I've had success in all of life. I've drank from the top. I've drank the most. 
I've been to the top of Everest, and I'm telling you, that's not it. As Ben said a few weeks ago, the Hebrew word for wind is hevel, hevel, hevel. I'm going to show my age here. How many of you remember Boris Becker, that great German phenom tennis player in the mid-80s? Won his first major at age 17. Back-to-back Wimbledons in 85 and 86. That's what he said. I sounded just like the rest who had made it to the top. I was on the verge of suicide at age 19, 20. Made it to the top, back-to-back Wimbledons, 17 years old. Said I had it all. Said I was on the verge of killing myself. Thank God he didn't. Thank God he didn't. What are your salvation projects, Christian? What are the things that you look to for your salvation other than Jesus? We all have them. We all have them. The prostitute and the preacher, they both have them. Where are you drinking from? What are the pools you're swimming in? Young teenager, what balloon are you chasing? And if you think if you get it, that's going to be it. Right? Isn't that what happened to Eve? She had every tree in the garden. But it was the one thing she didn't have that was going to complete her, right? Same old story. <laughs> Same old story. It's the balloon that we don't have that's going to, that's going to do it for us. Preacher just wants us to stop building sandcastles, you guys. He wants us to give careful consideration and deep contemplation and honesty about life under the sun. He wants us to ask, what is, what is my purpose? Where is true life found? Is there an answer to this? It's funny with Ecclesiastes, he doesn't give us the answer to the end of the book. And again, I think he's trying to stir the thirst within our souls. He's trying to help us understand that when Jesus says, if all who are thirsty come to me and drink, he's trying to get us to recognize, as Ben said last week, that it's something otherworldly. It's someone beyond life under the sun that can save us. There's someone beyond life under the sun that won't dupe you. He he, he won't not come through for you. Isn't that good news? Right? If you don't, if we don't have Jesus 
we might as well just pack it up, go home, guys. If all we have is life under the sun, eat, drink, and be merry. But if we have a God who is gracious and compassionate and says, yes, you lost it all. You lost it all, sinner. But I did it all on the cross. And you're going to get it all one day when I bring creation to its consummation and I defeat Satan and defeat sin and bring your life to completion. Church, we come here every Sunday to remind each other of that. Do you understand that? Like we, we don't come here because this is our salvation project. Like CRC is not my salvation project. It's not your salvation project. We come here to remind each other every day that that is our only hope under the sun. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much. Thank You, God, that when we pretend and we go sow on our fig leaves and we go hide, God, under the title of success or achievement, thank You, God, that You love us enough that You just come get us. That You come and say, Ryan, you don't have to drink from that muddy, broken cistern anymore. You come and say, church, you don't have to run on that treadmill anymore. That I have conquered death. That you have conquered sin. And you did it on our behalf. And Father, you tell us to come without, without money and without cost. Like we don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. All we have to do is just open our hands and open our mouths and receive Your forgiveness and Your love given to us in Christ. God, what a glorious hope that is. Would You help us, would you help us remember that? God, I confess I'm so prone to forget that Jesus Christ is my only hope. In Jesus' name, amen.